Dead or alive, you are coming with me. He wants to be good little boys now so we can fight some more for them in the future. Some more they'll decide on. We'd rather fight our own war right now. Without further ado, it's time to start running! I see three of them out there. Hit the one in the middle. Right! Hit the one in the middle. Welcome to the party, pal! Apparently it's rusted junk and we're looking at it. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Season 3, where we look at the 1988 film Midnight Run, starring Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, Dennis Farina, Joe Pantliano, Yafat Koto, and loads more. I love to travel by train. Oh yeah, what do you think this is, a class trip? A tough ex-cop. Are you always this angry? A sensitive criminal. Oh, no, no, come on, come on. Cigarettes are killers. Why are we running away from the FBI? Because I got to bring it back myself, otherwise I won't get my money. They can't fly. They also suffer from acrophobia and claustrophobia. I'll tell you what, if you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. They're seeing America the hard way. Why would you eat that? Does it taste good? At gunpoint. What did you do before you did this? What qualified you for this? He's gaining. No, get it. He's flying. Of course he's gaining. Robert De Niro. It is truly in your best interest to just relax. I'm totally relaxed. Charles Grodin. $2, that's all you're going to leave? That's 15%. That's 13%. These people depend on tips for a living. From the director of Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run. So, Midnight Run. Mm. The trailer doesn't do it much justice. The trailer's short. <laughs> It's almost as if, like, you know, <laughs> here's a quick nod. Hmm. Just tell you everything very quickly. I didn't even look at how long it was. It seemed like under a minute, hmm. which is quite odd for a trailer. But De Niro. <gasps> it's our first De Niro film. Is I look it? back. Yeah, I look back. I couldn't find I couldn't find where De Niro had appeared in any of the things that we'd done. Oh. So we've actually hit an 80s movie. I mean, when are we going to roll call? You'll see Robert De Niro has three distinct parts to his career, and where we're hitting him at, at particular, right in the middle of a particular section. But I mean, we'll go into that in roll call. But before we go into that in roll call, who wants to go? Well, who wants to go first? Prince, either me or you. <laughs> so, <laughs> would you like to go first with your score? Yes. Okay. And your score is eight. Drum roll, eight. Eight. Wow. Okay. Mm. Eight. Yeah. Reasons? Any reason why? Bit De Niro. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Is he it... looks absolutely gorgeous in this film. Downey Junior. Fandom. You're here again. Oh. Look at you. Your Just... eyelids fluttering. I was trying to work out how old he was in this movie. He must have been in his late forties. Uh, yeah. His eighties. That's, good, that's about probably now, a good shout. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do you want my score? Go on then. Four. 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 Oh, okay. but, but... No, I didn't enjoy it at all. I, 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 I remembered it again. Sorry, uh, you know we should have a little thing that says you know like oh Charles got his rose tinted glasses on. How I was that really be so looking. Different? I was really looking forward to seeing this film. I couldn't tell you how much that I was really looking forward to seeing it. And then when I was watching it, I honestly couldn't wait for it to end. Oh God! I know, and no one's more disappointed than that than me. How can they be so? I don't different, know why though? I'm on a I'm on a thing about scores scores on films. Roadhouse was the same. 
you know, you're kind of like, oh, really? Yeah, that was a bit crap, though. Yeah, Running Scared was the same. I thought I remember Running Scared being better than that, mm. but I'm, I'm also moonlighting on another podcast. Oh, no. And uh, I'm reviewing The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on uh, WDN. <laughs> you still can't I'll get it. I never get it right. The, the Nerd Alert podcast, yeah. Disney. The on Walt Disney. Yeah. And there's no schools on that because I'm just not digging it at all. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm in a bit of a... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're in a bit of a... Bit of a low. But four. Four and eight. That's a marked I honestly, difference. I honestly was picking up... I was picking up from you and I just thought, you were just not enjoying this. No, but It I turns was. out that you were. You hide your enjoyment very well sometimes oh, when you're watching a film. <laughs> you know, an, an occasional laugh, which you also did while we watched the trailer. Which well, is, I, I, I suffer from, to, you know, I've suffered from nephrophobia as well as suffer from fistophobia. <laughs> <laughs> See, look at you. Easily pleased. Oh, I love that. There's just not enough of it in there. Yeah. That's... Yeah, yeah I, can, I can see that. It was quite funny, though, because normally I like, you know, it's not too much of a <coughs> problem for me to take a comfort break, but I was hanging on and hanging on and hanging on, and like, oh, we stopped God. it. It was like the 40-odd minutes to go. I was thinking, cripes, this is a long movie. But it is, it's two hours and six minutes. Yes, it is. And when you stopped for the comfort break, I thought, oh, that was... I did the same as it did for Roadhouse. I was like, oh, God, 47 minutes of this. I just, I don't, well, I'm, you know, who am I saying sorry to? But I'm saying sorry because it, it deserves, it deserves more than that. I don't know how you can but, mark it so low. Well, we'll get into I it. Just, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, we'll get into it. So, I don't know, where do we go from here? Do we go into, <coughs> do we go into roll call? Roll call's going to be a big one, this, because, you know... <coughs> I'm so sorry for this cough. We've got a big hitter. We can record it, you know, when there's no hay fever around, if you want. What, just like stop now and then resume again sort of October? Wake me up when September ends, yes. Well, okay, well, let's do it. Let's go into, it is, Green Day. Um, Okay, so uh, it's time for Roll Call. Roll Call. So, well, before we get to De Niro, we have got the, the director, uh, Martin Brest. <laughs> Don't know, look at you. You're like, anything sets you off, really. It's B-R-E-S-T. Yes, I know, as in Brest in France. But if you take Midnight Run and you take what is Martin Brest famous for, for directing, it's Beverly Hills Cop, one of the biggest, I mean, literally one of the biggest takings-wise films of the 80s. Hmm. Um, he directed Beverly Hills Cop, so pretty much after you've done that, you can go, oh, I can retire now. You know, I mean, you've 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 made it. He also directed *Sense of a Woman* with Al Pacino. Oh, good film. Which is a is a fantastic Ooh, film. Um, it's a fantastic more, film. <laughs> I sounded more like a farmer then. I think. Well, I didn't. I I was just going to hope that covered it up my my better impression of it. But I have seen that multiple times, as you would expect. And I could, and I could watch Central Woman, and I could watch Beverly Hills Cop over and over and over again. I don't want to see this again. Really? So, no, you say I would watch it again. Sorry, Martin, I'm not going to. I didn't. didn't I, I don't know why. I, don't, I absolutely loved it. I think it was the, the child in me that that oh, the child kid when I watched it, 16, and I just thought, oh god, look, there's loads of swearing in this film. Oh, it's just amazing. And oh god, look, it's De Niro, and he's like tough and all this sort of stuff. And I'm kind of like, yeah, didn't translate. 
But anyway, so we get to De Niro. Little does she know. Just, I'd like you to give me five De Niro. There's so many that I didn't even write them all five. down. Five De Niro films. Oh. No ticking clock. Don't worry. Uh, Raging Bull? Yes. Is it Taxi Driver? Uh, it is, yes. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, still haven't finished that one. No. Um, haven't you? I thought you had. No. Okay. No. Casino? Yes. Um, if you're going to say Casino, you're going to say... We can't mention Casino without thinking, you know, same director. It's completely gone. Goodfellas. That's the one. Okay. I was thinking Untouchables. It's not at all. No, it's well, he's Untouchables. So there you go. You've oh, got there your you five. Go. five yeah. All right. I think when I when I look at obviously there's so many films I've missed out. He's in one of the Godfathers as well, isn't he? He is. And yeah. is it another film about him being? This isn't. Up this, that's the end of Little Does She Know. But oh, yes, okay. that's fine. No, we can carry on. Uh, I don't mind. You can keep going for the ten if you want. Oh, just can we just talk about Robert De Niro? Well, we're going to talk about Robert De Niro. Come on. So I think it's very. <clears throat> De Niro establishes himself as pretty much one of the greatest actors. Uh, he does uh, have a certain type, though, <clears throat> doesn't he? He, he, he acts a certain way. It's a bit like Pacino. They they act a particular way. So he's De Niro is very much a, a New Yorky kind of you know um, Italian typecast yeah. kind yeah, of yeah. actor. That's, okay. that's what he does best, really, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and, it, and it's that classic kind of downturn mouth kind of. Yeah. Not that people can actually see what I'm doing. No, no, but <laughs> just imagine a Robert De Niro impression and, yeah, that's it. Oh, I look like him, did I? <laughs> in a certain light, sweetheart. Um, oh, th- he was in Meet the Fockers as well. He was. So I think that this is where De Niro, De Niro plays a bit of a masterstroke, I think. Because what he does is he sets himself up with the Mean Streets, the King of New York, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull... Godfather Part 2 where he plays Vito Corleone mm. he plays the younger mm. Marlon Brando the Deer Hunter Once Upon a Time in America and then he gets to a he gets to a level he gets to a level where he goes do you know what I can make my own stuff and it, it's not like he wasn't making his own stuff but do you know what I can go off and do pet projects that interest me mm. now and I'm still Robert De Niro so Robert De Niro in the 80s is a very it's a, it's a very confused picture if you're a Robert De Niro fan, I think. Because in the 80s, you get The Mission. Do you remember him in that? No. No. So you get The Mission, you get Angel Heart with Mickey Rourke. Do you remember that? No. Cool. He plays the devil, Louis, Louis Cipher. Louis Cipher. Obviously, you, you know, don't need a klaxon to tell you who this guy is. But he plays the devil, and he's very good. And he's really good. But it's so far different from anything that he's done before that mm. this is almost like the pet project he wants to do. He does the Untouchables. He does Midnight Run. He does things that you wouldn't normally have associated with 70s Robert De Niro. Mm. Right? So he makes We're No Angels with Sean Penn about convicts that are on the run. And they dress up as, as um, not nuns on the run, but they dress up as, you know, as, as bishops and stuff and go what? <laughs> bishops yeah. on the run. Bishops on the run. He films Awakenings. Uh, he films Backdraft. Uh, he films, if he, you know, he he does a Bronx Tale. That was and, it. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Bronx Tale. absolutely. A Bronx Tale is brilliant. So then you start fearing, and then and then the end of that is Cape Fear, and then you get De Niro coming back. You get 70s De Niro coming back for the 90s. 
So he's then in Goodfellas. He's then in Casino. He's then in Heat. Mm. I mean, Heat. Mm. Finally, you know, everyone goes, oh, yeah, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. They've, they've done loads of films together. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. They've done Heat. And then they did another one. And I, it was so bad, I can't remember. But they did Heat. And you have that immortal dining, you they're know, the dinosaur. They're not in uh, The Godfather too. No. No, because Michael, Michael, because they never exist at the same time. Oh, okay. Because Michael's never been born. When Robert De Niro is on, on screen, it's always a flashback oh, okay. to Marlon Brando. So you get, you get that, and then you know it starts with Goodfellas and then goes over to like Jackie Brown and and, and mm. things like that. So then you go, right? Where does he go from here? <laughs> Comedy. Well, then he goes and says, yeah, he goes and makes comedy. Yeah. He, he finishes off with Ro, uh, Ronin, the one with Sean Bean. Yeah. Uh, oh God, it's awful. Um, and then does Analyze This, Analyze That, sequel to, you know, to, to both. Rocky and Bullwinkle, Meet the Parents, Stardust, Meet meet the Fockers, Meet Little Fockers, all of them, Right. So Robert De Niro is basically kind of going, do you know what? I can do pretty much what I like because I'm Robert De Niro. So take me as you take me as you find me, and you know I will always have that wonderful legacy to to you know to to look back on, and and I no one can ever take that away from me, and nobody mm. ever could, despite the fact that he made Rocky and Bullwinkle. Good lord, let's not talk about that film. But if I don't like Rocky and Bullwinkle, and I'm such a big banner waver for Howard the Duck. That will tell you how bad Rocky and Bullwinkle actually is. But anyway, but he is in that. But then you get, weirdly, then in the 2000s, you get another you get another De Niro, and it's a really likeable one. He stars in Silver Linings Playbook with um, Jennifer Lawrence um, and Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. He stars in Joy, which is like a sort of not an unofficial you know sequel to it. He then stars in Joker. And he plays basically the character he played in King of Comedy. So he even harkens back. Mm. He's even set in that sort of same timeline. And you're kind of like, okay, you're brilliant. I mean, there's no way to no way to do it. But pretty much, whatever he puts his mind to, he can do. And the fact that he's, you know, considered to be one of the, well, possibly the model of a method actor. I just think he's, I just think he's brilliant. So we mm. can ignore the stuff like that. Meet the Parents is funny. The rest of it kind of flogs it slightly and, you know. Maybe add some more sort of like, you know, projects to do at home as in like, some fun well. like Michael Caine did. Oh, where he, uh, he does Jaws of Revenge mm. and says, yeah, do, do you like that? Did you like Sarah Jaws of Revenge? He says, I loved it. It paid for my house. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I'd rather watch Jaws of the Revenge than watch this again. Oh my God. Yeah, there we go. Sorry. That's a... So, Rob, Robert De Niro to you then. What does it? What does he mean to you? What's what's the? What's his best? You know, what's what's his best film for you? Oh, um. Which De Niro do you prefer, jokey, jokey De Niro or hardcore De Niro? No, no, not jokey. Right. Okay. No, I can't. I can't get him. Into comedy, it's, it's no, it's just not. Do so you don't like the circle of trust? It's all right. No, it's exactly. okay. Yeah, it's funny because it's Robert De Niro. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he is 
that Italian New York actor, isn't he? Hmm. That's that's what he portrays the best. Yeah. So for me, it's all that kind of genre of film. So the seventies and the the nineties, I guess. Hmm. I'm aware. What? what Pretty much in whatever he's in, he's pretty much a heavyweight. Mm. He, I mean, he brings such a gravitas to mm. things. I mean, I was always a, I was always a, um, a Pacino fan rather than I was a De Niro fan mm. growing up because I just I, I just I thought he was better. Mm. Um, but that's not not to not to take anything away. It's just you know we're just so lucky to have two actors of that caliber around at the same sort of time. Mm. I mean, Michael Corleone in Godfather is, you know, is just perfect. Uh, you know, he's just brilliant. Al Pacino. Okay. So who else is on your roll call? Like? Oh, roll call. Well, okay. Considering well, we've only got a short amount of time. Well, yeah, it's all right. I'm looking at the clock. We've run out of time, otherwise we pay more. It's a long story. But anyway, we've got to get got to get some news in because we've got some, like, bombshell news. Yeah, come on, towards then, the end. Right, okay. Oh, great. Can we just talk about Rob De Niro for about yeah, half an hour? Do, yeah. And then not talk about the film. That'd be great. Um, Charles Grodin, um, I always think he's in more than he actually he was in. I remember in a film called The Couch Trip, which is pretty good in the in the 80s. And who is this guy, sorry? Charles Grodin is the... the accountant. Accountant. That's got to be caught. Yes, basically. we'll go into the plot in a moment. Okay. But yeah, Charles Grodin. Um... He also starred in Beethoven and, oh, the sequels to Beethoven. God, it's awful. Uh, he was in Dave. He was in Clifford with Martin Short. So, nice callback to Three Amigos because we talked about that. Martin Short plays an 11-year-old. Yeah, let that sink in if you want to go and watch Clifford. Uh, but it, I think one of his... One of, one of his... One of his real strengths is when he... He downplays everything, and it's you know it's very much. I I, I do like him in this role more than I well, I, I like them both. I think that they're really good with each other. But Charles Grodin is in *So I Married an Ex Murderer*, where um, he, he they, the the cop tries to commandeer his car. He goes, "Stop! There's a police emergency!" And he's like, "Go no!" Because no no no, I need to I need to take car, and it's a police emergency. And he just looks, "No, no." Uh, uh, and it doesn't need to say much, but it's just perfect, and it comes along at the right time. I do love Sir Meredith Murder. So there you go. Go and watch Sir Meredith You'll have a better time than watching this. Um, Yef- I- I'm not sure if I can pronounce his name correctly, but Yafet Koto. Um, he played um, Mosley, the FBI agent. <laughs> um, now, he was good. Now, he was good. Um, he's all, obviously, you know, the uh, they didn't instantly recognisable. The FBI's being very intelligent, really, did they? No, no. But yeah. he just—he's just a good—he's just a good actor in that sort of I really couldn't give a give a flame fig type thing. I mean, he's just literally—he's great. Um, he's instantly recognisable from Alien. Um, actually, I mean, he's just brilliant in that. He's also in the Running Man. Um, I didn't realise he was the main guy, uh, Katanga, in Live and Let Die. Katanga, my friends. No, oh, let's not let's not introduce Lenny Henry on anywhere onto this podcast at all. <laughs> let's just leave that one there. So, I, th- I thought he was great. Uh, you've got John Ashton; he plays the other bounty hunter. Um, he's Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop Two. He's also a member. What else has he been in that we watched in season two? 
John Ashton. Where's Where's the effing money, Keith? Does that give you a? Uh... No. No. The dad in some kind of wonderful. Keith's dad. He's saving up for the college fund, and Keith goes and spends it on some diamond earrings. Every time he comes in, he hassles him about college. The dad. Pretty much can't go anymore. <laughs> can't no, go anywhere with that. that. that that's no. him. Yes, John Ashton. He's he's brilliant in that. He's fantastic. Joe Pantliano, of course. We've only just mentioned him on Running Scared, so the podcast before last. Oh, by the way, it's nice to have you back. Um, Dom did an exceptional job on on Elm Street. I can't wait to have him back on the podcast. I really, really loved it. And it was one of our longest podcasts. It's pretty much because you get us talking and, and we just keep talking and it's brilliant. I loved it. But it's lovely to have you back. Um, Joe Pantliano, Matrix, Goonies, Running Scared, La Bamba, that guy. He's appeared. Oh, God, he's appeared in loads of stuff. Joe Pantliano. Two, two to go. Dennis Farina, who played the main bad guy. Didn't even write his name down. The whatever it was oh the one with the, the silvery guy. hair yeah and the, the dark moustache yeah. he plays like the mafia boss doesn't he yes that's right basically in in the uh, casino hotel isn't he absolutely with and his, he's a uh, very very light beige suit and slacks absolutely and he plays I mean I grew when I grew Dennis Farina to me will always play the I used to get it on I used to buy them when they came out on VHS he was in a TV series called Crime Story um, and it was just brilliant, and it was just set in Ve- you know set it set in Vegas. Um, you know he played a cop, and it's just it's just brilliant. Crime Story is is fantastic. Uh, he was in Manhunter. He was in Get Shorty uh, with John Travolta, uh, Saving Private Ryan. But he's also in Snatch um, from the Guy Ritchie, and he plays such a good character in that. Is he in Snatch then? He's the guy that has to fly over from the States in order to get the diamonds he has to talk to Mike Reed oh right okay uh, uh, oh, it's, oh, it's ages since I've watched that. oh it's so good I watched it a couple of weeks ago brilliant and lastly you've got Philip Baker Hall um, now he's he's one of those faces that when you watch this you go oh he's been in loads of stuff and he, and he is his CV on uh, IMDB is pretty much a Harcastle McCormick love everyone's been in Harcastle McCormick in the love boat and you know but he's, he's in loads of different things who's this guy? Um, he was the um, uh, the guy that was a, the guy that was advising uh, the, the the bad guys I can't remember his name I, I, we'll get to it when we're the uh, he was in Magnolia, he was in Air Force One, but he was also in another film that we'd done, which is Say Anything. He played the FBI guy that was investigating Ioni Sky's dad um, in it. So, yeah, there we go. That's Roll Call. Oh, now we've got to discuss the film. Do you want to do it? <laughs> just, you know, just... Oh, let's go through it. Robert De Niro is a bounty hunter. You see him at the opening of the film. He knocks on the door. He's trying to find the person he's looking for. He he's picking the lock of the door. He drops the he drops the lock lock pick. He goes to bend it. Boom! Shot comes through. 
shotgun the door, looks through, the guy's escaping. Um, that he, gives, he goes after the guy and uh, John Ashton appears and you can see that there's this bounty hunter rivalry. Um, and he, all I put is bashed him with the car door and I can't remember, did he bash John Ashton with the car door? Yeah, knocked him out, didn't he? He knocked him out. And then he stole his car. And stole his car and took the bounty. Took the the, um, person intended to be, uh, I don't know, bounted? I don't think that's the word, is it? (laughs) Delivered delivered as bounty. Yes. Yeah. The Deliveroo, I don't know. (laughs) Well, whatever a bounty... Other takeaway delivery services are available. Can you order a bounty on Deliveroo? (laughs) Probably. It probably costs you a fortune, though. You can order it from the co-op. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, you can get, like, super, supermarket deliveries oh. on delivery. Four-pack of Bounty Dart, then. Yeah, that'll probably cost you about a tenner. <laughs> They're worth it. They're very good. So, he takes takes the, 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 bounty, the bounty, not the chocolate bar, to the police station, collects the bounty, um, and then you, you go to the, the, the HQ. So, Joe Pantliano is the person who looks after the... collects all, all the bounty... Um, and he puts to him the idea. Um, I've I've put up 485k on the bounty on this accountant that is squealing on the mafia and has basically got some information, you know, um, that, that, that nobody can find him. And says, if you bring him in, we'll give you 100k, and that's the price to bring back the find the find the, the accountant and bring him back mm. here because he skipped it's got bail. Five days. Got five days. Now, at this point, De Niro's, De Niro's swearing. We need to talk about it. De Niro is is a master at swearing. Mm. He's, he's, his command of swearing is, is, you know, incredible, legendary. We used to have a thing, um, like 88, 89, when I used to have parties, mum and dad went away, and we used to have the swear awards. And obviously I can't say, you know, we had... Um, Joe Pesci from Goodfellas and stuff like that. I, in fact, no, we did it like sort of like 90s. But basically, all of the things that we'd seen at the cinema that we then got on VHS, we put them together and put the top 10 swears of all time. And he was in he, he was in this as part of... He had to be, because Midnight Run, when we'll get to in trivia time, has a lot of swearing in it. Mm. And, he's, and he's very good in it. Um, so yeah, I did. I did like that, and I don't know why I wrote that down at that point because I think he was just basically going off on one, and, and was really good. Uh, enter Yafet uh, Koto. Um, he's um, the FBI, so you introduced to, to the FBI, um, and do you see the the mob? So the the two people from the air, the the two people the mob are in the airport. So they're flowing in. Mm. So everyone's looking for the guy, but De Niro has the the good idea is that he he finds some phone records and then calls calls the last number. I seem to remember, and that's how he gets him. So basically, he contacts this woman Gail, yeah, um, and then she phones a number, and then he gets that number and then phones it. And then finds him. So basically, he's trying to track him down. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So um, he flushes her out. But how how he does that is tones on the phone. Yeah. Which I thought was great. I loved it. It's just kind of like trying to trying to recreate recreate it. Yep. Yeah, okay. Like that bit. 
as an as an old tech piece of thing. Um, so yes, he finds the, the the home, breaks into the house, um, and then and then gets him. And so he then has to take him back. Yeah, mm. you're looking at me perplexed. Yeah, Am I missing no, no, I'm going through it in my head. Oh, okay. Because he ends up in, stood in the bath, doesn't he? Because the dog's barking at the door. That's right, yes. And he holds up, it holds up um, the... the FBI agents because he put his own photograph yes, on that's the, right. he's um, the, the he's ID. It. Yeah, yeah. So he's pretending to be FBI, but he isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what they do is they go into... Um, he then... Then you get the line, you know, I've got phobias, you can't, you can't, no, 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 you're going to be flying. It's the easiest way to do it. No, 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 I've got uh, acrophobia, you know, fistophobia. Don't laugh again, it's <laughs> still not that funny. Okay. Um, but there is, he rings the Bonds person and said, oh, Joe Pantliano says, I'm bringing him back. The person who picks up the phone is working for the Mafia is working for the crime boss. Yeah, you didn't know that at the time. Though. We don't, but he has his catchphrase, which is, I'm just going out to get no, some No, he donuts. says, uh, this calls for a celebration. I'll get some donuts. Getting some donuts, which is his signature line yeah. for every time yeah. this happens. Joe Pantliano is so stupid that he can't put together, every time this guy, every time something phones and they're breaking this case in the movie, this guy goes out for donuts and then something bad happens mm. and I don't get my guy. Um, so... The FBI are listening. The FBI are listening in, so they can hear this. So everybody's listening. And meanwhile, Robert De Niro has found this guy and is bringing him back. Yeah. So. Are we back in LA? Yes. So that's where this film turns into planes, trains, and automobiles. It does a little bit, doesn't it? It does. It does a lot. In fact, uh, I, I don't know. Does it do it in order? Yes, I think it probably does. I think it's plain. Yeah, it is. Then train, then automobiles. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, it's not. It's no planes, trains, and automobiles. I'll say that much. No, it carries life in a trunk. No. <laughs> Absolutely. So they get on the plane. Uh, he freaks out. Uh, does a big, you know, does a big. Uh, um, says, "Oh, I can't fly. I can't fly." So it means that they're forced to. Yeah, and the pilot makes them get off the plane. That's right. Yeah. Um, so Dennis Farinas comes into it and says, "Right, you need to find this guy." Obviously, they get the tip off from the donut guy, the guy that's going out for donuts. Suddenly, this turns into a huge, huge chase. Now, I tell you what: before we get into what they do, the two mob guys don't have to get across the country quickly. They do. They just seem to appear. Mm in certain places and you're like thinking logistically how did you get there even in 2021 how did you get there that quickly unless you've got a helicopter how are you getting around all these things and, and being able to track them so they get all the way to to there oh what did I have to I put Jack Jack lets him out and put 200k and, and basically Robert De Niro has got this thing and basically says look you're a criminal you stole people you stole from people the you stole from very bad bad people he stole 15 million dollars 15 million exactly which he then said he donated most of it yeah so when he stole it he's, he's donated it so you know it's pretty much that they haven't got it there um, to begin with they're on this train now um, Joe Pantliano then goes do you know what I'm going to call in John Ashton I'm going to call in the other bounty hunter and I'm <laughs> going to give him the bounty 
And he but said, not, not the same amount though. No. How much did he? I think. Was How much he, did he offer? Was he twenty thousand? Twenty five k. Twenty five thousand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess the the bit on the train where they're having lunch, <clears> and you see the bit in the trailer where he leaves the tip, and he says, "No, no, no, you've left thirteen percent. It's fifteen percent." Yes. There's a nice exchange there because he's looking at what he's eating. Are you not thinking about your cholesterol? Are you not like you know concerned about this? Sort and he of goes thing? on about him smoking all the and time. Smoking and smoking. In fact, he's almost in every scene got a fag on the go, hasn't he? Yeah, for our American listeners, it's that's a cigarette. a cigarette. Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, so this is where you find out in those conversations. He says basically, you, you know, you're giving to, um, you're giving the fifteen million away. And you did that. It says, sooner or later, I'm going to have to give you the slip. So even saying to, to you know, I'm going to, ha- I can't, I, ca- I can't go to prison. Mm. It just can't happen. I, I would only last a day in there before mm. someone whacked me. But then John Ashton gets on the train. John Ashton's waiting for the train to come in. And I'm kind of like, this train's coming cross country. How did you get from point B or C all the way to, the, to there? Just seems again, they're using this magical sort of, you know. Well, he traced the train, didn't he? From the, yeah, he did, but it's which still was gonna, he's still like, get there. You know, auditor alert! He right. phoned the credit card company. Oh right, yeah. And asked for the last place that he'd used the card. I mean, how on earth does he know which card it, this, you know, De Niro's got? Basically, he doesn't. That's random guess, I suppose. Um. Because he's saying, oh, yeah, I think my card's been stolen. And, you know, can you just tell me the last place it was used? And, oh, yeah, I think it's best if you just cancel the card. And this is a whole conversation without even, A, confirming identity, and there are no security checks. This was the 80s, though. At all. We don't have the... Yeah, but we can't look at the 80s... Can't look at 80s security checks in the prism of 2021's, you know, voice ID security. It's just awful. I can I can sense your indignation. And then he, he ends up it. on the same train, doesn't he? So he does, you know. He, and then he just literally walks up to the porter and says, "Oh hi, uh, uh, I'm looking for my buddy uh, Jack Walsh." Uh, to the porter, and he's like, "Yeah, he's in the next car, bedroom D." <laughs> and again, all without any security checks. No check. checks, exactly. Yes. <laughs> just. <laughs> no, absolutely. So he ends up like thumping him one and knocking him out, doesn't he? Yes, <laughs> yes, he does again. A nice, a nice, you know, a nice comedic bit on that. Um, so then, uh, because the card has been cancelled and they can't continue on, um, they get on a bus. So they've yeah, got enough money for the bus. He has to pay cash. Um, so they get on the bus. Um, and on the bus, they're kind of like bonding a little bit more. Yeah, he was you asking him about something. his life, isn't he? Yeah, asking him, asking the the fugitive. It's not fugitive. What what is he called? Who? The person that is with Robert De Niro. What's his? The accountant. Yeah. Okay. The accountant's asking Robert De Niro about his life, and you know, is he married? And no, he's been like split from his wife for nine nine years. Got a daughter. Well, no, it's longer than that, isn't it? Because he hasn't seen his daughter That's for right, nine yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and there was obviously some history there, but you don't find out what the history is until later on in the film. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they, they start kind of having a bit of a sort of chat, don't they, about yeah. stuff. Yeah. But then I think he, he realises and then he sort of shuts himself off again. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, and it was it is quite touching, but not as touching as the bit we're going to come up to very soon when he actually goes and visits his family. Oh, that got me. That did. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. I you know that add a point on for that. So it was a three. It's now still a four. Um, so the FBI, the bus gets no, in. You you gave it a four. No, well, Does that okay. means it's a five. That means it's still a four. I'll still fudge it. Um, so the bus gets in. The FBI are waiting for the bus. Oh, and how many FBI agents are Good there? Lord, and police exactly. agents. Oh my god! It's not like Die Hard. We're going to need some more FBI agents. They've got more than enough there. Thank you. There must have been about thirty or forty cops. Yes, and they've all got cars. Yes, haven't they? Yeah, they've, they've no car sharing. There's no. There's no car there's sharing. There's no e- eco consideration here. And it's really funny because later on the film, there's car chases, and they're all literally in a line. Yes, 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 yes. And it looks like something out of the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, they get away. They, they, they still get away. They still manage to get away. They do. Um, you know, the cops are like, they still fire at him. They still fire at them, don't they? Yeah, still try to shoot them, like, yeah. Crikey. Yeah. All right, okay. But this he ends up stealing the cop car, doesn't he? That's right. And then he ends up putting his, his um, sunglasses... On the on the steering wheel, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was a nice touch. Um, Dennis Free cuts to Dennis Freena now and again. I, I put Dennis Freena going. I'm going to blow torch you both. And I'm just like that's the kind of like thing he was stuff he was coming out with, but mm. it, it delivered in a Dennis Freena type of way. Um, so just because they've had the conversation on the train, he then goes to visit his ex. Mm. Um, he needs cash, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Um, so, do you want to take this bit? So, his mm. daughter's who's in eighth grade. Um, well, so, no, yeah. he's not seen her for nine years. Yeah. And I've written here a really powerful moment. Like, De Niro and his ex-wife are arguing in, in the sort of hallway. Mm. Um, and he's handcuffed. Is he handcuffed? Yeah. Is he handcuffed to the accountant at this time? Or is yes. the accountant... Uh, no, I don't. The account's uh, in handcuffs, isn't it? Yes, he? that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And like, obviously, you know, De Niro and his ex-wife are going at it, hammer and tongs, because he's all bit bitter about what happened, and mm. he hasn't basically contacted her, and and then she he turns up asking for money, and she's all a bit kind of emotional and and annoyed, and quite mm. rightly. Um. And then all of a sudden, his daughter comes into the hallway and he turns around like it's just that moment isn't it it's like oh my god that's my daughter and she's all grown up the last time I saw her she was a baby and now she's you know and and he doesn't know what to say does he no and his ex-wife like stops arguing with him and she she just basically goes off doesn't she Hmm. Gets gets some money and uh, he asks. He doesn't really know what to say to his daughter, but he gives her a hug. Yeah. And, um, she offers him money. Well, not at, not at, right at that point. Okay, sorry. Okay. Um, uh, the wife gives him the ex-wife gives him some money and the keys to the station wagon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> station wagon. Massive cars. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And and just says you know I'll I'll just explain it in some way to the, to the this new husband of hers, um, and the daughter then comes out as he's in the car and she 
basically says, here, this is for you. And she's got $180 of her savings. Yeah. And he's like, no, honestly, I can't take it at all. I can't. I just can't. You you need to keep She And she loves him. Yeah. She's just, like, doubting on him. Is it, you know, like... And you're like, well, he doesn't deserve this level of, of what he's got. You know, the, the adoration and, and stuff like this. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny. Um... So, yeah, I, it just really got to me because they don't really say a lot, but you can just see there's, like, it's all that unspoken stuff that goes on. And he, then he gives her another hug and then gets in the car and then they, they go off, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that was... Um, that, to me, was quite a powerful scene. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. Definitely, yeah. Um... It was just well acted. It was just well done. Yeah, it was. It was. well written. Yeah, it was, well yeah. directed. Yeah. You know, yeah. on there. I'm still not going to give it a five. So he rings the Bearborns people again and says, "Now we are in a car. <laughs> <laughs> now we are doing. Um, you need to wire me five hundred five hundred dollars. Uh, he doesn't like to fly. That's the reason why I can't get him. He's a dog. Pantaleo gets mad mm. in the way that only Joe Pantaleo can. Um, cuts to the car." Charles Grodin's singing 95 bottles of beer on the wall, which is always a good thing to do because that passes the time when you're (laughs) you're driving. Um, And he starts to ask him probably a little bit more and they start to chat a bit more. Mm. He goes, look, why did you... Why did you leave the police force? Why are you a bounty hunter? You know, what what happened? And basically, he faced corruption... He he faced corrupt cops Mm. that basically said... um, you know, you need to go on the payroll. You need to go on the take um, to be part of it. And he couldn't do it. So he left the force. Yeah. Mm. Which was... Well, it, it was, he was trying... He would, he'd worked undercover for a while, hadn't he? And it, he was trying to get into the drugs ring. Mm. And it, he was eventually in it. And then the cops busted his home... Yeah. And found five K of um, five kilograms of cocaine in his house. But they they basically planted, said it? it was planted, yeah. And um you know, he was a corrupt cop, but he wasn't at all. Mm. He was he was trying to infiltrate and, you know, sniff this guy out. And this guy is actually the the mafia boss in the film. Yes, that's right. So he he hates him with passion. So it's it's a personal thing that he really wants to get this guy back on bail. Yeah. Um, to to stuff the the mafia guy because he's the witness basically, isn't he? He's the accountant. So he'll he'll basically put the mafia guy in jail. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So. After that, he's saying, "Look, if you take, he keeps reiterating, if you take me to jail, I'm going to be killed." Um, then you've got a few things that we can probably skirt over a bit. Mm-hmm. They, there's, they get, you know, the mob gets a, the helicopter, you know, and they, they, there's a bit of a shootout, the helicopter, and uh, it's just uh, they they get him. He's keep, he keeps in contact with Joe Petliano. He still doesn't guess that this guy's leaking. The, the guy going out for donuts is is leaking. Um, I've wrote a whole load of stuff here, and it's just basically, you know, interactions between themselves and the FBI. Mm. Um, I think we can cut to the end. Yeah. Really. Um, so there's a bit of a setup. Um, you know, there's a 
um, the, the FBI surrounding this surrounding this place. Charles Grodin's there. Dennis Farina appears, and basically it's all one big, you know, t- trying to get in. I can't remember what happens in the end. I think by that time oh I'd really God. lost. I'd really lost sort of boredom in it. <laughs> I mean, I've written, written it down. And you're right. There's lots. Of, there's lots of vehicles in it, and you know, hot wiring vans and yeah, um, and things like that. But go on, then you take what happens in the end. Well, they're at the airport, aren't they? Yeah. Um, at um, LA Airport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, aren't they? Because they've made their way over from LA, so. Were they making their way back to LA? No, they had to be in LA. In LA, sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he'd worked with the FBI to actually um, get a wire on him because he'd heard that the accountant said, oh, yeah, um, I made up this thing that I've got loads of discs, basically floppy discs, yes. with incriminating <laughs> evidence. Yes. Um, and so, so basically they could have... Um, the FBI could catch the mafia boss out if he took the discs off De Niro. Yeah. Then they could get him for all these other things as well. Yeah. Basically. So so that was the plan. Anyway, you think this is never going to work, but it actually does. Um, although the other guy, the, the bounty hunter, it, it eventually merges on the scene and it's not to, supposed to be there. Yeah, trying to ruin everything. And it almost ruins everything because um, he, he lunges for De Niro and he rips the communications wire. Yeah. So De Niro can't hear them saying... Yeah. Or hear him saying he's got the discs. So he has to... So, so he has he, to shout. in the end, he just has to shout, he's got the discs, he's got <laughs> yeah, the discs. Yeah. And then... All the FBI basically pile out and like the, the mafia lot all pile out as well. So it's all a bit kind of like, oh my God, what's going on? Anyway, he manages to slip, doesn't he? To slip out and um, and get um, get the accountant um, to um, LA airport mm. um, in time. But the... Accountant basically says, "You are you doing the right thing? Because surely to get at this guy is not to hand me over. Yeah, because he wins again. Yeah. He wins basically, and and you really want to, you know, have your own life and get out of this. And you mm. know, so he says. So De Niro phones up. What's his face?" The bail people. Joe Pelliano. Yeah. Yeah. And, and says, yeah, I've got him, but he's not coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've let him go. Yeah. And he does. He lets the accountant go and the accountant can't quite believe his fortune, can he? Right. Anyway, you see him talk about, you know, how much, you know, were, were you offered for, for, you know, taking me in? He goes, oh, 100K. He goes, oh, 100K. How's... How's this then? And he hands him this money belt, and he's literally got three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> in thousand-dollar notes yeah. stuffed around this belt that yeah. he's been wearing all the time, and uh, hands it to De Niro, and that's it. It almost feels like a test that he's passed his test. Yeah. Um, and yeah, actually, he could keep the money for himself. Yeah. He's probably got them all squirrelled away, but yeah. 
sort of all of the penniless things and we haven't got any money <laughs> and you need to go and see Gail and all this sort of thing. You could argue Charles Grodin is a genius in setting it all up. Yeah. Because he forced him to have to go and do the things that he probably wouldn't have wanted to do. But yeah. So yeah. Uh, the classic is, though, as, he, as De Niro walks out the airport and like the accountant's literally disappeared, he walks out the airport, tries to get a tax and he went, oh, flags down this tax, he went, excuse me, have you got change for a thousand he goes get out of here get like this here. doesn't he and then <laughs> drives on he's like oh guess I'm walking home then <laughs> <laughs> oh dear anyway so there we go that's Midnight Run yeah so I thought it was quite a good film well do you know what Let, let's con- let's continue the vibe it's not going to convince me but let's um, let's go to trivia time shall we mm. yeah okay here's trivia time trivia time Charles Grodin had permanent scars resulting from the real handcuffs he had to wear for a great deal of the film. I'm surprised. They're not the comfiest of things, Well, why did he wear real handcuffs? Why do you think? Even though they had rubber and plastic handcuffs that could be used in wide shots, De Niro, ever the method actor, says you need to wear... If you're wearing handcuffs, you need to wear handcuffs. Oh, my God. Then you would... Well, it's convinced him. It says convinced him here. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't want to wear handcuffs. I'll just wear the plastic ones. No, no, no. If you're going to be in handcuffs, hey, forget about it. You know. Okay. Oh, my God. Come on All right, okay, you're going to do that. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Paramount Pictures originally owned the rights to the film. To improve the film's chances in the box office, the studio wanted a big-name star to appear opposite Rob De Niro. It was suggested that the character of the Duke, i.e. the accountant, to be changed to a woman and to be played by Cher. <coughs> that would never have worked. Who had recent box office success with the Witches of Eastwick suspect Moonstruck. Obviously, Oscar for Moonstruck. It was felt that casting Cher opposite De Niro would lend some sexual overtones to the relationship between the two characters. The director, however, rejected the gender switch idea, so Paramount Pictures went, fine, give the role to Robin Williams, who had recently had it with Good, old, good Morning Vietnam. Robin Williams read and liked the script and agreed to audition. Robin Williams, okay? Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Brest had already gone and auditioned Charles Grodin while Williams was waiting to line oh. up. You know where this is going. And it, because he'd put De Niro in with him to see how they react to each other, he loved it. And he just cast him there on the spot and then had to call Robin Williams and say, Sorry, you mate. don't need to come in yeah. now. <laughs> After his success with like Good Morning Vietnam, I'm like, you know what? I'm Adrian Crow now. I've been nominated for an Oscar and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, no, no, it's all right. Don't come in. We've already, we've already got it. Um, Paramount Pictures decided to drop out of the project because they did because he did that, handing the rights to Universal, who then went ahead with the casting that we see. Mm. So that's what you. Um, after doing the Untouchables in '87, De Niro was looking for some lighter material to do next. Initially, he wanted to play the lead in Big. Hmm? He wanted to play the lead in Big. I've known this for ages about De Niro, that he wanted to, but he wanted to play. He, he wanted to go for the role of Big. But the studio went, not interested. You, you, you're wrong for this role. We've got Tom Hanks. Oh, he's right for the role. Well, Tom Hanks is right for the role, absolutely. Um, so the, the, the studio said, you can't do that, and then said do you want Midnight Run instead? Do you want to do this? 
we've got a film for you. And he went, yeah, all right then, okay. Yeah, let's do that then. Because it was lighter. You know, despite the fact it is an action movie and it comes in season three, it comes into the action and whatever else. But yeah, um, Robert De Niro spent time with Bounty Hunters as part of the preparation with the role, as you could probably see. Um, the taxi driver who snubs him in the uh, last scene that you just mentioned with a thousand dollars played alongside him in Taxi Driver no no I don't know I just think I, I like that one <laughs> uh, another few more Yafet Koto was suffering from a fever for almost the entire involvement in the movie oh no yeah so he does very really well <laughs> by, by making it uh, um, so what have we got it was in the 1989 autobiography it would be so nice if you weren't here Charles Grodin mentions that Robert De Niro prepared for his role uh, by actually going on drug busts with teams of detectives. Um, he'd befriended a Los Angeles homicide detective who kept him regularly informed on the daily LA murder rate and had travelled to Chicago, his character's hometown, yeah. to work with the police there. Yeah, right. So he had to work with Chicago police yeah. to play somebody who used to be a Chicago policeman, De Niro. Mm. Meanwhile, Grodin's research was limited to a 10-minute phone call to his business manager, Ralph Goodman, to ask him how the transfers of millions of embezzled dollars would technically be done. That's Charles Grodin. Uh, Rob De Niro goes on a plane to, to the actual hometown of his character. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, what have we got? We've got a... Um, I've got this. I don't think this is this is great. So, in the scene where Marvin, uh, John Jonathan Ashton, is turning Jonathan over to the mob, there's a really subtle joke referring back to Jack and Jonathan's argument over tipping on the train. Marvin asked for the bounty to be increased to two million dollars. Remember when he said, "Yeah, I'm not bringing in the twenty-five to two million dollars," because he figured out a man who stole fifteen million should be worth as much. Hmm. Two million. It's thirteen percent. A 50 million, <laughs> which is the same tip that Jack left for the train dinner, which I thought I, I liked. And then the last one is the train scene in Flagstaff, Arizona, actually prevented a kidnapping at the end of the searching the train scene. So when the FBI, when the, yeah. the right, filmed in downtown Flagstaff, Rick Long, um, uh, this is the, the the guy that's actually saying it. Rick Long and I, Wazy Atkins, it's the person who's writing this, were extras dressed as policemen and driving police vehicles, in inverted commas. Word arrives that the suspects have been spotted near Sedona. At this point, a dozen or so police cars, driven by extras, leave the train station towards Sedona via downtown <laughs> Flagstaff. Two men were in the process of kidnapping a young woman from okay. a coffee shop in Flagstaff right as the dozen or so police cars drove past the coffee shop the attempted kidnappers were spooked into thinking they were being chased by real policemen threw the girl down and fled the scene oh good lord fake police fake police <laughs> there you have it so I just I just leave you with those ones um, oh and apart from the director has a cameo he is the ticket clerk that Marvin buys his ticket from for the train and just his only line in it is smoking or non smoking. <coughs> oh, smoking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So there we go. That's it. Wow. And that's a wrap on season three. I know. Well, I really enjoyed the end. 
of season three. You perhaps not so. I've I've I've, I've had some. I had some great moments in season three. I think you, I think your choice of action was really good. I I think it worked out because it allowed me. Yes, we had our roadhouses, <laughs> but we so, also. So, uh, I think this is true for a lot of people. You know, when you sort of think back and you remember, oh yeah, I think I'm, I watched that. I'm sure it was a good film. Like you, you, you believe yourself. And you have this full conviction that, you know, the film was brilliant when you watched it. But whether it's not standing the test of time or whether it was you're at a different point in your life or you hadn't really had a lot of movie experience or for whatever reason, it turns out watching it now, it's actually not as good as you remember. Well, yes, (laughs) in certain ways. But it leads that leads me. That's a really good segue into season four. Because I can tell you that the films I've chosen for season four come under the term misc. 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 Miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. They're films we've even mentioned in our in our opening. They've been quotes that we've used in part of a theme tune. It's things that we've talked about. Um, it's films that I've just absolutely love. We are we've got some good ideas for for season four, which I'll get to in a moment. But I can personally vouch for each and every one of these films, oh, and I no. would say no, that no, I've watched no, them in no, the last. No. Th- I've watched them in the last three years. It's not going to be another Prancer or Leviathan or. No, I can't promise you that you'll love them all. Okay. But what I what I will say is, there's some really good films on for the ride. So yes, Back to School is one of them, and it is, and it's a great film. I started to watch it, and then I thought it's cheating. Even if I watch, I mean, I could still watch it again with you, even if I watched it like two weeks ago. Um, but uh, you know there's other films in there like Real Genius Better Off Dead um, yes Howard the Duck is in there and we may open with mm. Howard I don't know if I'd open with Howard the Duck and then you get that out the way for you and then you think right okay then what but there's a nice mix in there so I've looked at other films so we mentioned Black Rain right right oh, at the we start, did at start yeah, yeah. When, we, when we talked about Black Rain <laughs> you were like um, uh. but yeah there's, and it is it's misc there's, there's a lot of, um, I think I put in there Mosquito Coast that we talked about. Harrison Ford and River Phoenix was one of the one where they uproot everything and they go and live in the jungle. It's got Helen Mirren. It's wonderful. It's a really, really good film. I, th- I really think you're going to really like it. So I'm not loading the bases here and I'm not just putting in well, stuff that I don't think. Well, I, yeah, I'm, but what I'm saying is I think you're going to like it. Okay. There'll be highs, there'll be lows. Okay. Okay, but hopefully a lot more highs than lows. And quite a lot of laughs on the way. Do you want to? Do you want to break the story of uh, the break the news of what else we're planning for season four? Well, we're going to have a bit of a dabble and a little bit of a shake up. Um, we're going to kind of still obviously be audio podcast, mm. but we're going to go into that other dimension that is video. What? what? So, yeah, you're going to actually get to see us. Not that that's going to be, you know, <laughs> making all of you rush to go and watch the podcast. Well, no, because we've, we've had suggestions from our good friends. So, Joe, um, who I did the podcast, who I joined his podcast, and he's joined our podcast. He's yes. joined us for Rocky Four this season, and he was he's always welcome. Um, and, you know, when I did the podcast with Dom... And he was—he said, you know, are you ever going to like? 
you ever th- think about going into video or something like that? You're kind of like, do you know what? Let's g- let's go let's try it. Let's give it a whirl. Let's let's give it a whirl, as Macaulay Culkin would there say. There we go. So yeah, we're going to do it, but we may get it wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think we're going to get any it. worse than no, the starting is, the podcast. We're going to order green Episode screens. One. We're going to order green screens. Green screens. Yes. Oh, good lord! So they're going to be behind us rather than because otherwise you just get this. You either have something funky in the background, which I think we can do, or you have the zoom blur. What you mean, like the, the toilet door isn't like? No, worse than that. When I'm <laughs> having the zoom conversations, the guy from work, and you know the other the, all the other zoom stuff that I that I do. Right, those coats on the door make it look like three men and a baby, like there's a ghost. <laughs> right, behind me. You know the story of three Put men and a baby? Said and shut the door. Do, do you know the story of three men and a baby and the ghost? No. Oh, there's a scene in it in which the camera pans and there's a boy stood at the window, despite the fact that it's a sheer drop. There's a boy stood at the window, the camera goes like that and then goes back again, the boy's disappeared. And they always say it's a three men and a baby ghost. And I can't remember what it... Somebody said... I think it was somebody that had actually... They're supposed to be up, up thing, but they're not really, obviously. Um, somebody had put it there like an insert, but it does look like a ghost in Three Men a Baby. I what mean, it looks really good. What are you talking about? No, no, well, oh people, people who follow this podcast and go, do you know what? I follow this podcast particularly for Charles. There's some people that follow it particularly for you. Very few. But <laughs> people that follow it for oh, me... I do love you. I know, but they'll go... Yeah, I know that, Charles. You just told me about three men and a baby ghost. I know that because it's you know I, I, I'm up to, up to date on these things. But yeah, so green screen uh, projector, we're going all out. That means we're going to take a bit of a break. Uh, <laughs> once we figure out the once we figure out how to do all. it uh, and do, do some tests, uh, we might actually do, do you know record those and uh, give give you some outtakes. But yeah, that's what we plan on doing. But honestly, I think it's gonna. I think you're gonna really like it. So there's gonna be extra guests. So it won't just be my dulcet tones and Charles talking. I've got a few people lined we're up. Have a few people just to shake things up a little bit. Absolutely, and we're going to invite our good good friends that appeared on the podcast already. So yeah, Dom, get get prepared. We'll have to do a Miss Horror film then at oh, some point. That means I won't have to join then. I get a night off. Do you know, can we do something? I don't know, I'll have a word with him. We might be able to do something which is categorised as horror, but isn't actually horror. You know... All right, OK. Well, we might be able to figure something out. Anyway, Joe, Joe, Joe and Jack, um, hopefully, will uh, come on board from, from the US. Um, and I've got a couple of other people that I've lined up, some couple of other mm. podcasts that I'm listening to. But they haven't yet. They don't even know. Oh, they don't even know. They don't even know well, we let's exist. let's not say anything right now. No, just in case they say no. <laughs> <laughs> they they're like, look like yeah. get lost. Thanks for asking. Yeah, cheers. Anyway, on that note, um, we're running out of time. Uh, strangely, for the first time ever, wow. we are actually going to watch in the clock. So I'm going to say thank you for joining us for season three. Please contact us. I know it sounds like a plea every time, but at Rusted J Pod on Instagram, at Rusted J Pod on um, Twitter. And then type in Rusted Junk and find us on our Facebook page. Just send us a message. We don't post as much on Facebook. Yeah, Listener 17. Yeah, Listener 17. Yeah, what happened to Come you? Come on. Oh, that's, I need to put his down on the list. Oh, the sure thing. There you go. Oh, it's going to be a great season. It's going to be so good. <laughs> right, I'm going to go and put it on so the list. So if you've got any requests for MISC, 
Get them in, get them in sooner rather than later. Literally anything goes because it's we've got to plan them, you see, invite people in and it takes a little bit more coordination rather than just us two wittering on. Yeah, we just need to, well, we need to get it right, yeah. which is why, we're, as I say, why, why we're going to take a bit of a break. It might be four weeks until the next podcast, but hey, I can't promise you it's going to be worth the wait, but <laughs> it might be. We never so, know. So look, th- th- think of it as a good thing. It might be. It might be good. But it'll still be available on audio as well. Exactly, yes. We'd, we'd never forget about the... Because all we'd, all we'd do is we'd still put the trailer in and we'd still do all that. How are we going to do that? Who knows? Goodness knows. Anyway, um, we love you all and um, we'll see you soon. Uh, we'll see you in a month's time. So I'm going to say uh, cheerio then. Got it. Toodle pip. Rusted Junk. Rusted Junk. Rusted Junk. The Forgotten 80s Movies. The Forgotten 80s Movies.